Well, in the book of Genesis, in chapter 12 and in verse 2, here's what God spoke to Abraham. And this is what God is speaking to us today. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you with abundant increase of favors. Everybody wants favor. Well, did you know that favor is granted unto you? As a matter of fact, God says, I will surround you as with a shield with my divine favor. And he said, and I will make your name famous and distinguished and you will be a blessing dispensing good to others. So we see then that we are dispensers of good. We talked a while last week about being dispensers of the good news. Now I want to look at 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and notice with me in 17, right on down through verse 21. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Every born-again believer that is a new creation in Christ has a ministry. Primarily, all of us are in the ministry of helps. But every child of God also has this ministry of sharing the good news, of dispensing good news to others. That's the ministry of reconciliation. Now notice this in verse 19. It further defines to us this ministry that we have been called into. To wit, and the word wit there means to tell, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Amen. Not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed to us the word of reconciliation. And then in verse 20, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled, come back to, be restored to, and come to Christ. Now, the NLT or actually the Passion Translation says it this way. We are ambassadors of the Anointed One who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them, directing through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to Him. Ambassadors, of the good news. Now, way back in 1860, when D.L. Moody was preaching the Word of God, he had a message that went around the world. And at the time, he was preaching in England. And there was a young 19-year-old evangelist, really. He had just gotten saved, and he started preaching right away. His name was Henry Moorhead. And Henry Moorhead went to hear D.L. Moody preach in England. 
And he walked up to D.L. Moody after he was done preaching. He says, someday I'm going to preach in your church in Chicago. Of course, D.L. Moody was taken by surprise a little bit, kind of like, yeah, okay, sure, sure. He said, if you ever get to Chicago, look me up, drop by, and I'll have you preach in my church. And so one day he gets a telegram and this young firebrand, this young evangelist showed up in Chicago and said, I'm here and I want to drop by. And so he did. He came by. And of course, Moody felt like, oh, brother, I've given my word. Now I've got to have this young guy preach. And so he had a huge auditorium, D.L. Moody did, of 5,000 people. For that day, it was huge. And then in the basement, he had a little smaller venue, which seated about 500. And so D.L. Moody had to go and uh, do a funeral. So he was going to be gone for two or three days. But to keep his word, he said, well, I'll just have... You know, Henry go down in the basement and he can preach to a few people. <laughs> and uh, upon his return, Deal Moody asked his wife hesitantly how the young preacher did. Listen to this. She said, oh, he's a better preacher than you are. <laughs> his wife said, he's telling sinners that God actually loves them. Deal Moody said, that's not right. God does not love sinners. Well, she said, you go and hear for yourself. He's been preaching night after night on the same text, John 3, 16. And we all know what that says. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so Moody went and heard this young man preach on that one verse... And after it was on that night that he clearly understood the gospel of God's great love for the first time. As a matter of fact, he preached weeks upon weeks in Diomedes Church. The crowd got so big that they had to go upstairs to the 5,000 seat auditorium and they had overflow up there. What in the world was taking place? People were getting a glimpse of God's love. And that's what needs to happen through you and through us. The great love of God needs to flow through us and let people know that God loves them, that God is for them, that he gave Jesus for them to be saved. D.L. Moody did ask uh, young Morehouse this question, how much longer do you intend to preach on John 3.16? He said, until everyone believes it. On one occasion, Morehouse challenged Moody. He said, you're sailing on the wrong track. If you will change your course and learn to preach God's words instead of your own, he will make you of a great power. Now instead then, Moody, instead of preaching that God's going to judge sinners so people could flee from the wrath to come, he changed tracks. Moody began to preach on the demonstration of God's love, that Jesus died, amen, and his love would save them. Moody said, I've never, ever forgotten those nights hearing Henry Morehouse. I've preached the gospel much different since, and I have more power now than I ever did. Listen to this. Due to his impact 
on D.O. Moody, Morehouse was known as the man who moved the man who moved millions. Isn't that a great story? You see, this gospel that we have is not a gospel of condemnation. It's not a gospel of us, you know, pointing our bony fingers at sinners. This gospel is a gospel of peace. This gospel is a gospel of grace. And in the world, this gospel must be preached. I'm not talking about the gospel of religion or the gospel of intellectualism or the gospel of denominationalism. I'm talking about the God of transformation, the gospel that will change people's lives, the gospel that will cause people want to serve Him with all of their hearts. Say with me, thank you, Lord. My feet are shod with the gospel of peace. And so then, as dispensers of good news, we need to make sure that our heart beats with the rhythm that God's God's heartbeat beats with. That's a mouthful right there. And so, as dispensers of good, we also must make sure that we are operating as vessels of compassion. So I want to take a little look this morning at Jesus and his compassionate ministry. In Psalms 145, in verse 8 and 9, he says this, that the Lord is gracious and he's full of compassion. He's slow to anger and of great mercy. Say it with me. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. Now notice this with me in verse 9. This is a verse, this is a life verse that should be in your heart, that you read it until it registers on your heart. In verse 9 it says, The Lord is good to some. Is that what it says? No. It says, the Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all of His works. Now, if you look in the Word of God, and you look at the Greek and the Hebrew, which we will not do today, but you'll notice that the word compassion and the word mercy are used interchangeably. The word compassion and mercy means to love tenderly, to be full of eager yearning to bless someone. F.F. Bosworth in his book, the great book, Christ the Healer, which I highly recommend that you read and have a copy of it. F.F. Bosworth said this, that modern theology magnifies the power of God more than it magnifies His compassion. His power more than it does the great fact the exceeding greatness of His power is toward us. He goes on to say, in no place does the Bible say that God is power. Oh yes, He's omnipotent. But it does say that God is love. Amen. And that love that God is, is shed abroad in your heart and in my heart. F. Bob Bosworth goes on to say this, It is not faith in God's power that secures His blessings, but it is faith in His love and in His Word. Praise God. 
Let's look at Micah chapter 7, verse 18. I'm just getting blessed here today just reading these verses on the compassion of the Lord. Praise God. You know, you could say it this way. As he is, so am I in this world. As he is full of compassion, so am I full of compassion. As he is slow to anger, so am I. As he is of great mercy, so am I. Glory to God. In Micah 7 and verse 18. Now notice this. It says, Who is a God like unto you that pardons iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever. What a powerful statement. Because... He delighteth in mercy. He is delighted to show compassion. He is delighted to show his mercy. Hallelujah. Not just for the saving of people's souls, but also for the healing of their bodies and for the restoration of their minds. Glory to God. You know, in 2 Corinthians 1.3, I love this verse. It said, Blessed be God, and even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it. He's the Father of mercies. Notice it didn't say He's the Father of mercy. No, He's got ample, multiplied mercy upon mercy upon mercy for you and for me and for the world. He's the Father of mercies. And he's the God of all comfort. Glory to God. And I know this for sure. He's looking for an opportunity. His eyes are going throughout the whole earth to show forth his mercy, to show forth his strength on behalf of those whose heart is perfect or whose heart is open to them. So he's willing. He's eager. He's ever hunting for opportunities. And one way that he shows his mercy is he shows it through you. One way that he shows his compassion is he shows it through his church, the body of the anointed one and his anointing. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. Basically, he's saying happy, full of joy, and to be envied are those who flow in my compassion. For if you will flow in my mercy and you will flow in my compassion, what will happen? You shall receive mercy. Hallelujah. You shall be in position for great mercy in your life. How many of you need mercy in your life? Well, that's 100% of us. Amen. And so, let's just look briefly this morning at some expressions of his compassion. Look at your neighbor and say, we're heading somewhere good. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. As he looks at the harvest in America, as he looks from the north to the south, to the east and to the west, and everywhere in between, when he looks at America, the Bible says that he is absolutely 
moved with compassion and he's moved with mercy. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Oh, he wants people to come to him. He wants people to come up and come out of religion. To come up and to come out of anything that would bind them and hold them back. Jesus was moved with compassion. When he looks at hurting people, he doesn't look at them with disdain and said, it's your fault. When he looks at hurting people, he wants to pour in the oil. He wants to pour in the wine. When he looks at people that are anti-Christ and don't know what they're saying and don't know what they're doing, he's moved with compassion toward them. And he wants to do anything and everything that he can do through you and through me to show forth his love and let that love just melt away hardened hearts. And everyone said, Amen. Compassion was a demonstration of God's love surging through Jesus' wide open heart. We see one of the classic examples of compassion, which is found over in, in uh, Mark chapter 1. It says there, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, understand this, that he was just not suffering from mild symptoms of leprosy, in Luke chapter 5, 12, it says he was full of leprosy. He didn't just have one lesion or a few white spots. The Amplified says he was covered with leprosy. He was eaten up with the disease in the very last stages of the horrible effects on the human body. There is no other disease that can touch leprosy for mixing agony with horror. In addition to the physical pain that a leper would suffer, he suffered the mental anguish and the heartbreak of being completely excluded from society. He was banished from the fellowship of men. He had to live outside the village. He had to give the warning when he would come on the scene saying, unclean, unclean. He was considered to be cursed by God because he was being punished for his terrible sins. But notice when the leper said, If you will, you can make me clean. In verse 41, it says, And Jesus was moved with compassion. And he put forth his hand and he touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. Thank God the I will of the master canceled the if of the leper. This was an I will that was not passive. This I will revealed the very character and nature of God. Jesus was saying, I am glad to. Of course I will. The healing of the leper was a great display of his compassion. And in verse 42 it says this, and as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was 
cleansed. Oh, glory to God. You've all heard, I'm sure, of Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, what a mighty, mighty woman of God and great compassion for the lepers in Calcutta. She worked among the lepers in Calcutta, India for decades and decades. On one occasion, an author from a different country came over to see Mother Teresa and to work with the untouchables among those in India. Within a few weeks, the author had seen enough to last him a lifetime. One day, when they were out ministering, Mother Teresa rescued a dying baby. This dying baby was literally dying in the gutter. The author was just absolutely devastated by what he saw that day. And he literally reached the breaking point. Later that day, as he was struggling with the image of that baby's body, Mother Teresa asked him, But didn't you see Jesus today? And his answer was, No. Mother Teresa then took his hand in hers and opened and then closed the five fingers. And she began to talk to him about the love of God and the love of Jesus. And she spoke five words as she unfolded each finger. You did it to me. You did it unto me. Friends, that's God's righteous cause. You'll notice in Matthew, in verse chapter 25, in verse 35 through verse 40, you'll see what the NLT says. He said, For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and gave you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will tell them, I assure you, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it unto me. Think about that. When we have this glorious time of year where we celebrate the joy of generosity, we can reach beyond the borders of our church. We can reach out into the Bay Area. We can reach out into the world. We can reach out to dying, sighing, crying humanity with the love of God. And I believe that God is well pleased when His people like you and me and like this church favor His righteous cause. I believe He is well pleased with the sacrifices that we make for others. He's well pleased when his sons and his daughters begin to flow in compassion. It is the heartbeat of God. In Job, 
chapter 7 and verse 17 through 18. He says, what is man that you should magnify him? And why should you set your hope upon him? And that you should visit him every morning and try him every moment. I said it earlier and I'll say it again. God's heart beats with the rhythm of people. And so if people are the heartbeat of God, how much more should, be the, should it be the heartbeat of our church? If people are his number one priority, how much more should they be our number one priority? If people are precious to God, how much more precious should they be to us? You know, it's easy to open your heart to people when you realize how precious they are to God. That same love, that same compassion that Jesus flowed with is in us. Romans 5, 5, it says the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. What do you say? During this holiday season, I mean right smack dab in an unprecedented year, right, right smack dab in the middle of a pandemic, what do you say? We stir ourselves up and look for opportunities to show kindness, to show his love, and to show compassion. You know, it's so easy for us to think about ourselves and to worry about ourselves. You know, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? Jesus said, for all these things the Gentiles do seek after. But what I want you to do, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God. I want you to put me first. And I want you to put others first. And as you do, all these things that you've been worried about, the clothes, the food, the drink, the shelter, all these things that you've been worried about, they're going to be added unto you. Praise God. I think it's a time for us to stir ourselves up in the love of God. Glory to God. See, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. These are words for you and for me. It's time for us to turn fear outdoors. It's time for us to get a greater revelation of the love of God. How much He loves us and how much He loves others. When we do, fear will be a thing of the past. He said there's no fear in love. But perfect love is going to dispel fear. It's going to kick it outside. Amen? Amen. And so that's my prayer for you. And that's my prayer for me. For a greater, greater realization. We could say even a greater revelation of how much God loves us. And how much we can allow that love whereby we've been loved to flow through us to others. It is such a blessing to be a born again Christian to be born of God, to be born of love. Somebody say, well, I'm not sure of what ways I can show love. Just open your eyes. Look all around you. 
I think one of the greatest ways we can show love and sow mercy is not beginning, not allowing ourselves to get so uptight and upset about what we see around us. Oh yeah, there's plenty of opportunity for us to get angry. But where's anger going to get us? Anger is never going to get us to a good place. Why is that? Because anger opens the door to the enemy. And the scripture says that we are not to give him any place. You know, instead of praying judgment down on certain ones, we won't mention any names, and instead of praying that something bad happened to them, why don't we pray that they get saved? How about that? Why don't we pray that God will open their eyes and they'll come to Jesus Christ? Amen. And also fear is a very dangerous thing. You know, I believe concerning this COVID-19 that we're not to be fearful. We're not to be fearful. Why are we not to be fearful? Because we've got a covenant with God. And our covenant says that we have, we have divine health as a right and as a privilege as a child of God. Our covenant says that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. This is the year of the mouth. And in the year of the mouth, the redeemed of the Lord need to open their mouth. And they need to declare so. And they need to say so. And say every organ, every tissue of my body functions in the perfection to which God created it to function. And I forbid any malfunction in my body. In Jesus' name, I am redeemed. So we're not to be fearful of a virus. But now, the other side of the coin, coin is this. We are not to be foolish. We're not to be foolish. We're not to put ourselves in position or in places outside of the leading of the Holy Spirit. We as children of God must be led by the Spirit. And when we are led by the Spirit, the Spirit will always lead us in the right place at the right time causing us to do the right things with the right people. I'm getting reports from all over the nation of Christians that have been foolish. They've gone to, they've gone to different places. They've gone to different venues without taking care of themselves. And many of them are infected today. And if I was to you know, say the different places that I know of. And, I, you know, Brenda and I have been around for 39 years. We know a lot of people. We know a lot of ministries. And so there's been a lot of people that have come down with the virus because they thought, ah, oh, bless God, you know, I'm a man or I'm a woman of faith, blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. And, you know, pride can bring us down. And so it's very important for us not to be fearful, but also for us not to be foolish. Amen. And I'm on my soapbox today, but this is a good message. My name is Mark Thomas, and I approve of this message. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let us show mercy. Let us sow mercy. Oh yeah, I've had to hold myself in check. I've had, to, I've had to look in the mirror and have conversations with myself because you know, quite frankly, I've been ready to turn some people over 
And we won't talk about that. But I've had to make some adjustments in my spirit because I cannot afford to open up the door one inch to the devil. In fear or in anger. Amen. There's a higher way. There's a better way. There's praying in the Holy Ghost. There's praising God in the midst of the battle. Just like they did when they said, Praise you the Lord for His mercy endureth forever. The Lord came on the scene and confused the enemy. There's a better way. There's a higher way. It's Yahweh. It's God's way. It's love's way. And love's way is our way because we are of God. We are of love and have overcome them because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. See, we are the light of the world in an extremely dark world. We live in a world filled with hatred, filled with fear. I'm not going to let that in. I'm not going to let the world in to my home. I'm not going to let the world into my mind. Here's what Matthew chapter 5 in verses 13 through 16 says in the message translation. We're talking this morning about being dispensers of good. Dispensers of good are dispensers of God. God is love. So we are dispensers of the love of God. Amen. So notice this now in Matthew 5, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 16 in the message translation. In verse 13, it says, God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. Amen. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bears, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a lampstand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. I love the way it says this. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you will prompt others to open up to God. Letting our light shine is letting our love and our compassion flow. Hallelujah. So we're dispensers of the good news. We're dispensers of the love of God. We're also dispensers of the healing power of God. We started out this message by talking about how that we are ambassadors. An ambassador represents a country. I like the definition of ambassadors that we've used for years. It simply means this, that we are diplomatic ministers of the highest order. We've been given an order from our commander-in-chief. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're here on earth as his ambassadors. Glory to God to share the good news. But not only to share the good news and represent the king and his kingdom, in Proverbs 13 and in verse 17, it says this, that a wicked messenger falls into evil, but oh, a faithful ambassador brings healing. 
Amen. That's what one translation says. As faithful ambassadors, we are to bring healing. As believers, there's a cause for you and I to be full of the word, full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost, and full of God's power. Yeah, it's for our benefit, but not just about us. You cannot give what you don't have. We're carriers of life, of love, and of His goodness. So it's important for us to be full. To be filled with all the fullness of God. To be full of the Word. Full of God's Spirit every day. Stirring ourselves up. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praising like we did this morning. Man, that was some good praise. That was such good worship. Glory to God. And we don't have to wait till Sunday morning to do that. We can do that 24-7, seven days a week. We can stay full of the Spirit. We can stay full of the Word. Years ago, Brenda preached a message called, The Fuller, the Better. Amen? So when you're full of the Spirit, there's no room for other spirits. When you're full of the Word, there's no room for anybody else's words. Why? Because you're attending to it. You're inclining your ear to it. You're keeping it in the midst of your heart. God's Word is becoming life and health and medicine to all your flesh. And because you're so full of God's Word, then you can dispense healing to others through your words, through your prayers, by blessing humanity around you. Praise God. Well, I believe it's been a good word today. So say it with me real strong. Thank you, Father that you've given me the privilege to be a dispenser of your goodness. I pray, Lord, today that you would help me to share the good news compassionately. I close the door on all fear. I close the door on all anger. And I purpose in my heart during this joyful season to draw near to my Father. I draw near to you this morning by faith to fellowship with you, to stay filled with your Spirit and full of the Word of God. Help me, Lord to cause your light to shine through me for your glory in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's just all lift up our hands and thank Him. Oh, praise God. Glory to God. Mm, Pakalite. We're expecting, we're expecting goodness, good things, good things. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Coming to us. And then flowing through us. Oh, preke celebrende. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Father, I pray that you would just open up doors of utterance for us during this season. Open up doors of utterance that we may bring encouragement and dispense encouragement to others. Thank you for open doors, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, preke celebrende. 
obra fasundre dicatora mandea. Glory to God. We're not going to let some virus shut us up. We're not going to let some virus shut us down. We're opening wide our mouth and we're declaring our redemption. We're declaring our freedom from the curse of the law. Yep, we are the redeemed and we are going to walk in the fullness of your redemption in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.